The Rose Bowl Legacy Foundation preserves, protects, and enhances the future of the Rose Bowl Stadium as a national historic landmark. America's Stadium has hosted two Olympic Games, with a third one coming in 2028, two World Cup Finals, five Super Bowls, and the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl since 1923. It is the epic center of college football and is the most iconic stadium in the world. To learn more about how you can support the Rose Bowl Stadium as it turns 100 years young, visit www.inspire, which spells inspire2022.org. Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Sunday we're going to talk some USC Trojan football with the Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or Instagram at Coach Harvey Hyde. Go to his website, HarveyHyde.com. We got a breakdown, of course, USC's overtime road loss, 30 to 27. To the BYU Cougars, Trojans fall to two and one, licking their wounds, coming back on a short week and have to take on division rival Utah. So we're going to talk about all of that, what was going on with the game. You guys sent in. A ton of questions uh, in the last 24 hours since the game kicked off. So if you have any questions or comments, keep sending them in. Podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address. Or if you'd like to call or text us, you can do that too. 424-254-9141 is the number. We do love to hear from you. And we love to hear from the coach who is on the line right now. Coach, give us a good word. How you doing? I'm Ryan. I'm doing great. Uh, been a rough uh, weekend for the Southern California football programs. Uh, Kansas had a great weekend. Washington had a great weekend. Oregon had a great weekend. Arizona had a great weekend uh, regarding the Pac-12. But in Southern California, I would say it was pretty cloudy and grim. And I would say at both universities today, uh, if I'm the head football coach or athletic director or whatever, I would say in my mind as a head football coach, first of all, if I was walking into my staff meeting this morning, I would say it's time for me to evaluate my whole package, assuming I knew what it took to put that package together. I would look at my defensive coordinator, my offensive coordinator, my special teams uh, person, my recruiting coordinator. All of them who are in charge of certain areas of our program, I'm not talking about equipment and that. I'm talking about on-field duties and responsibilities. And I'd say, well, how are you going to correct this? And what about this? Why did, Why wasn't our perimeter better? Why are people attacking us the same way in two weeks and no one's making any adjustments? Why are we so one-dimensional? We're talking about us being an air raid type of team. Well, why can't we adjust to the different coverages that there are and where we are in the field? And why do we try to force the football? And when we run the football, why don't we have series and certain things where 
we have a chance, and why doesn't our quarterback get more active in our running game or go to two backs where we could do that? There'd be a lot of questions I'd be asking today if I was the head football coach at USC, and uh, I think those questions have got to be answered, and he doesn't have a lot of time to fix them was one of the top football programs in the Pac-12. In fact, we all know about the University of Utah is coming to the Coliseum with a lot uh, of, uh, uh, let's say, a lot on their plate as far as looking forward to the game. They're not intimidated. They're coming to the Coliseum not only to play in the Coliseum where they like to come to Southern California for recruiting, but they know the Trojans only have three days to prepare for them. And I'm obviously thinking they're looking forward to it. And I don't know if the Trojans are. They've talked about the entire offseason, how physical they are, and how they have tug-of-wars, and how they do all the things to become physical. Well, I don't know if that's going to help. I hope it does against the University of Utah. And if you remember, Ryan, I've told you all spring and all fall camp, I have not bought in, bought in on the air raid attack. And Right now, I think you put that young kid in a very difficult situation where so much pressure was on him that he made some mistakes, and now he's getting blamed for it because of the turnovers, and it's not his fault. Not his fault is what what they're asking him to do. Coach, uh, lots to kind of unpack there. Um, there, I guess after the Stanford game, People were talking about, you know, Keaton Slovis going to be the best quarterback in the country and all this stuff uh, comes back down to earth a little bit. Um, Overall, I mean, I felt like they were putting a little bit too much on his shoulders, saying he was the greatest thing since sliced bread. He's definitely a true freshman. And I think he's probably getting too much of the blame uh, now. Where where do you you find yourself when you're talking about uh, USC's true freshman quarterback? Well, I I agree with you. You know, he had a one game – a uh, great game against a team that's not very good. Obviously, the team gets blown out by Central Florida. Uh, you know, they're not very good beating an average Northwestern team. Uh, and how good is USC? They beat a Fresno State team that's 2-0-2, and oh and two, excuse me. And uh, they play a team, BYU, who's physical, emotional, coming off their win against uh, Tennessee, and you allowed them to stay in the game, gain confidence in themselves, let them do the same thing the entire game defensively against you, and they gain confidence. And then, you know, of course, uh, make some stupid mistakes and turnovers and things where, you know, you don't look like the the USC team that you're supposed to look like. And uh, I think people are at a point now where they're not looking for uh, excuses, they're looking for results. And, you know, you, 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 you've got great players, and you don't throw the ball down the field. You throw the ball down the field, and if you listen to what I tweet out, you threw one for a touchdown to Pittman, you threw another one for a pass inter- interference that, that was, you know, not really, it was questionable. And you never go down the field again. You have the middle of the field wide open because they're playing zone defense. You don't attack the middle of the field. You don't use two running backs because you need to run the football. You never hold the backside with any counters. One back takes you to every single play. How hard is it to stop a running game when the back will take? Just key the running back. Quarterback will never carry the football. 
Quarterback will never run a draw, run a keep, run a read, run a bootleg, do anything. So how hard is it to stop the running game? It's it's very simple to stop the running game. I don't care who you have. You could have Mighty Joe Young or whoever be the running back, and eventually uh, he's going to be worn out, worn down. So, you know, I mean, you can tell in my voice that a lot of times it's the talent, a lot of times it's not the talent. I think in some positions it is the talent. We can discuss that from the many questions we have. Yeah, there's a lot of questions on the offense. We'll probably get to those too. You know, defensively, there's some people that are very critical of Clancy Pendergast. And, uh, you know, we talked about Zach Wilson being a really good quarterback who can be very accurate. You know, he didn't miss a pass in his bowl game last year, but also is very athletic and can beat you with the run. He didn't run for a lot of yards, but he was able to escape pressures and I think, you know, find some plays down the field. Um, but, you know, overall, you gave up 27 points on the road in regulation. I don't know if it's really that bad. There was some, there was definitely some things that you could clean up, but it wasn't like a complete failure by the defense, I thought. There's, you know, maybe some people are saying. Well, part of it is and part of it isn't. First of all, when you go to talent, it's not the defense, but when you have defensive linemen who can't tackle or can't contain, or when you have a guy that's in a panic mode, settle down, and not to be out of control or look uncoordinated and not make a play, uh, he's the one that's in trouble. You're not the one that's in trouble. And the way that Zach Wilson avoided their tackling when they had him in that position many, many times was somewhat I look and say, how can that be? How can you be that non-athletic where you can't settle down and make the play? Now, a couple of times they sacked him. But when you have a quarterback that's in trouble, you got to remember to keep the contain so he can't get outside, settle down, let the inside guys make the play. And then also on the other defensive side, they've been attacking the perimeter because USC plays man all the time, so you have no support. You have no support whatsoever. The receivers run straight down the field. So what happens, the defensive back is doing his job. Don't blame them. They're covering the receiver. He doesn't even have to block them. So what they do, they're going outside with the keeps. They're going outside with the runs. They're going outside with the option. There's nobody there to stop it. Uh, so it, 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 And they're going outside with the swing passes. The guy just goes out there and sits there. Then he makes the catch, and the linebacker will miss the tackle. He'll make the tackle or miss the tackle. And you go down the field, and, of course, uh, they got a big play. Uh, so in the zones, uh, the, 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 the field, just, 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 it, just, uh, it just really frustrates you when, when you don't see the necessary things that are going on. And, of course, this is just my opinion, okay? But I know if I'm sitting in my staff meeting, and my, with my coaches today, I'm looking over at him and I say, either we recruited the wrong players or we don't know what we're doing on defense. And on the offensive side, let's have a complete package. You can't be one-dimensional and win big-time football games. Because if they're going to run an eight-deep drop-back zone and rush three and stop our passing game, which they shouldn't, and stop our run with three, then we're not any good. So, you know, that's exactly the way you look at it. Yeah. Um, one quick thing before we jump into questions. 
we'll, we'll get into more on the offense, more on the defense. Uh, special teams, I thought it wasn't a there wasn't a hot a lot of marquee plays, but two personal foul penalties, one for an illegal wedge. That seemed very strange. Um, there was a 52 yard field goal, so that was a that was a big one. But the kickoff returns just didn't seem to be able to get out past the 25. I felt like they probably should just take a knee and and get a fair catch and get out to the 25. But twice USC kind of got backed up because of uh, personal fouls on uh, on kickoff returns, and then the putting yeah. wasn't that great either. So again, no, no, the putting wasn't great again. When you punt the ball and you give the ball to them on the 48 yard line, I'd say that's not very good field position when you have a kicker that's supposed to be booming the ball all the way down the field. To me, it looks like the kicker is holding back, like somebody's telling him, don't, as you mentioned, or somebody told me, I'll kick your coverage or whatever that's supposed to be. I, I I don't worry about that. Just kick the ball, okay? And put it down, that, hold them back where they have to fair catch it or kick it to the corner, but get some distance. All right, Tyler Vaughn caught one back there, I don't know where, in a punt return, a 10-yard line or whatever which was ridiculous. I mean, you know, uh, you got to have, you got to know your rules where you are, your 10 yard rule and all the different things you learn in high school and pop Warner and all the things you can't make big plays. Think you're going to make big plays every play. You got to play the percentages and do what you're taught to do. And sometimes kids want to make the big play, not that they're not competitive and the kids want to make plays. I understand that. But you got to follow what you're supposedly taught that what you should be doing, as you mentioned, fair catching it, get the ball in the 25. I know you want to run another 100-yard touchdown return, but the odds are you're not going to do that, okay? So uh, you got to be smart when you play the game of football as well as being, uh, as a coach, you got to be smart too in coaching up what you're supposed to do. All right, well, why don't we, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll just start hammering some questions, Coach. So back in one minute. And uh, we'll take all your questions. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Uh, A lot of questions, as you can you would guess. Uh, People send them in early, Coach. I guess with the early game, it helps. You got more of your Saturday to send in questions and not just Sunday um, as we're recording. We record this like a little after uh, noon on Sunday. Uh, we got a text question. It was just kind of a statement. He said, uh, this is from 1977 Trojans. I guess the quote Stanford false positive is a real thing. At least the Trojans didn't lose a Pac-12, the least powerful of the Power Five conference game. That's 1977, George. I don't know if you read my story, Coach, but basically I said if you go over, the, you know, the last since they moved the Stanford game up, uh, you know, like back 10 years ago or so, you look at that game and when USC like looks good, it's typically a false positive. Like it's not it doesn't always mean like you can't really uh, get a, a good feel for what this USC team is going to be by looking at the Stanford game, and I think that proved uh, right this year. 
Well, yeah, well, Stanford normally is uh, a pretty good football team, so you can tell as far as being able to stop. Uh, normally, they're very physical. They're not physical. They don't have the defense they've had in the past. Uh, offensively, they're not what they've been in the past as far as receivers, big receivers and running game and so on. So the offensive line. So this year is very tough to gauge. And everybody uh, felt that Stanford may have been uh, a good football team since they beat Northwestern. They didn't dominate Northwestern, but beat Northwestern. And Northwestern beat them last year. So a lot of people were thinking they're a pretty good football team. But obviously they're not what everybody expected them to be, and that certainly proved yesterday. But, uh, you know, and I've been saying this all along, and everybody, I don't know if you guys are laughing at me or whatever, but Jack Sears would be running this offense, and I love this kid. I love this freshman kid, but he's more of a pro type of quarterback. We have a running game and play action pass with him. He can't avoid, you know, poor guy. They run an offense that doesn't fit his style. Jack Sears is the type of guy that can bootleg, counter, run, slide, tough kid. And you can't be afraid today. If you watch the great football teams that run this type of offense or similar offenses, their quarterbacks, I don't know if, how many people watch the UCLA game, but the first play of the game, Galen Hurts gets rushed and he flushed, they flushed him out. They didn't have the contain and he goes about 50, 60 yards down the sideline. He's not afraid to run the football, and they're not afraid of him getting hurt. Hell, he's part of the team. Then the next player, second player, third player, he runs a draw or a run right up the middle and runs all the way for a touchdown, some 30 yards. I mean, he rushed for, what, 150 yards, and he does that every week. Now, Trevor Lawrence does the same thing. Uh, you name it. You name the great football teams out there. The Ohio State quarterback runs the football, and basically – this is the uh, you're going to see Utah's quarterback run the football. Uh, Arizona State's quarterback runs the football. I mean, you've got to be able with this type of one back offense. You've got to have two running backs, or at least have bootlegs, counters, jets, uh, different things to counter it. And and right now they don't have that. So I think they're beating themselves at times. And it really frustrates me. It really does because this kid, Devin Solis, is a great kid. And, you know, all the social media things that were coming out from the athletic department last week, all these tweets and pictures and crap. I mean, (laughs) really. And you know what I'm talking about. I don't know how many people out there. You see that stuff. Why, hell, they ought to just be quiet and go find some football players. Instead of being all sending out pictures of everybody and the belts around their stomach uh, of who they are, and well, they haven't done anything yet to be doing that. So you know that just you can tell today that if I was in a staff meeting today, there'd be some heads rolling. Yeah, I I bet you there would, Coach. Uh, we got Joan. Next question. Well. Went all the way to BYU to watch us revert to 2018 play again, although this looked like a replay of the Fresno State game. So many issues with this team. So two questions. One, I know people will take offense at this question, but I have to ask, I believe Harrell isn't calling those plays. Uh, it's not the new spread offense where our skilled players get separation. Is, uh, it, is, it the, is, it, is it the Clay Helton special? Do you think Clay is calling the plays? Harrell, I heard. Didn't stop to talk to the press. I wouldn't have either. Um, do you want to address that one first, Coach, and then we'll get her second question. 
Well, you know, I don't know who's calling the plays. I assume it's Graham Harrell. I think it is. Uh, but what, what, why I wonder if he really is is when the team stops and looks at the sideline, if they aren't changing plays all the time. I, the way I understood this offense is supposed to be on a four-by-six card. You come out, and if he does this, you read this, this happens, and that happens, and it's so simple and so easy. There's nothing to it. It's all fun. So, you know, so let's have tug-of-wars. Let's do other things. But, you know, why do they stand up and look at the sidelines? Someone's making a change. Someone's telling them, hey, change to this or change to that. And, you know, why does a young quarterback throw the ball in an area where there's three uh, three defensive people all around him? Because he's shook up. He's got so much on his mind that he's shook up. He knows he shouldn't have thrown that ball there. He knows better than anyone. No one even has to tell him that when he comes off the sideline. But in an overtime period, you throw the ball inside. He's been getting tipped the entire game inside. You, why wouldn't you roll him out? Why wouldn't you tear him out where he has the option of, of nobody being in his face and run something in the flat or a drag or something where the kid can see and not look over everybody's head? And if you don't get it, or if he can't run two yards for a first down or five yards, you kick a field goal and you're still in the game. Why do you throw it in the middle of the field where everybody's there, where it's all bunched down, but you've closed down the field and you're throwing the ball right in? The kid's confused. The kid's got so much on his mind, but it's supposed to be a simple thing. It's not a simple thing when you're standing back there and you got three or four guys coming after you and want to knock you out. It's not no. simple. No. It's not simple, and you're young. So all this simple stuff I hear, and who's calling the plays, hey, you know, let's get let's get real about this thing and realistic about what's going on. Sometimes down there you've got to have the ability to run the football in and have some ability to take the pressure off the quarterback. Yeah. Uh, second part of her question, BYU looked like they took notes from the Fresno game and just plugged and played that offense, and our defense looked confused and slow and played the same way they did against Fresno. Uh, but this time we didn't have a pull a mile miracle interception. They did. In fact, no turnovers, not one. Why the heck isn't Clancy preparing our guys for offenses like this? And let's not get into special teams. Baxter must be napping at practice. I am tired of watching this movie over and over again. It wasn't good the first time, and it doesn't get better with time. Thanks, guys, from Joan. Well, they did copy a lot of what Fresno did. There's no question about it. Ran around to the outside and got a lot of yards. And uh, they did the same thing in different ways. Uh, they tried to, they ran the option one time, made a big play, really nice. Nobody had the quarterback. He just tossed the ball in the back. Back just ran down the field as far as he wanted to go until somebody got over there to stop the play. And it's not the player's fault. There's a rule and regulations uh, as far as you're outside. So you got to change what you're doing at times. You can't just run a pro defense or whatever you're running against college type of offenses. They don't run that in the pros option. Uh, they don't run a lot of bootlegs. They do, but they throw the football. So, you know, you've got to hold the backside. Uh, and, 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 and the defense isn't having to watch the backside. And, 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 and oh, I'm talking about USC. I should have, I'm talking about, I should be talking about USC's defense. So they're attacking it by throwing the ball down the field and, by playing man, they drive off, 
and then no one has the flat area or the swing area where the guy just goes out there and sits. Then you throw the ball out there, and the guy gets as many yards as he can. So, you know, it's just – and then not being non-athletic as far as not being able to trap a guy for a big loss is tough. And when you play man defense, it's really tough to get a lot of interceptions. You get more interceptions when you play a zone type of defense because everybody's facing the quarterback and reading his eyes and see where he's going to throw the football. Uh, a lot of times in all this man defenses, uh, your free safeties can see it, and the linebackers read their, their keys too, and they have backs and so on they're supposed to cover, but everybody's back is to the quarterback as far as trying to cover and run with your man. So there's a lot of differences, a lot of things you have to change up uh, when you're getting beat and a lot of things that you have to make adjustments on, and, and that isn't being done. All right, we got a uh, voicemail question here. We talk about the the time you play your games and the time you practice as before, so that's what this one's about. Here we go, Coach. Hi, uh, my name is Sergio, and I'm calling about the, the, the loss to uh, BYU. And my question is, uh, perhaps they weren't ready to play at 12.30, and since they were always used to playing at 7.30 p.m., uh, can you comment on that, on whether whether they were prepared to play at that time? Thank you so much. Bye-bye. I love your show. Thank you, Sir Gerald. Thank you for calling. That was a big deal with me when they were practicing in the morning, okay? But they're not practicing in the morning anymore. They're practicing around 4 o'clock daily. So the difference between 12.30 and 7.30 when you practice it's 4 o'clock, you're going to be – your your system has to adjust to that. That isn't – a big deal. It really isn't. You should be able to adjust your your meals and so on where that isn't a big deal. So I don't think that has anything to do with their performance. But also, I think the altitude, I hope they thought about the altitude. The altitude sort of got to, to USC. I really thought they did as far as the high altitude and breathing and so on. I think they got sort of worn down. Now, normally when you play at high altitudes, you take oxygen and so on that you can breathe on the sideline. They don't need it because they live there. They practice in it. They become very accustomed to that. But sometimes you can give back a lot of immediate uh, energy back to your players because they get tired. And when you're playing at a higher altitude, you should possibly, when you have receivers and people that are running all the time, rotate them more because you want them going 100%. And again, I didn't see a whole lot of rotation. Not that Pittman didn't do a good job. Not that Vaughn didn't catch a lot of passes. But again, you've got to be able to throw the ball down the field and get separation where the secondary fears your speed and what you can do, and that's running by them. When you don't do that, they close the zones down where it's harder for you to throw the ball inside and uh, to throw the ball. So they close it where all the zone areas are smaller. There's more players in the area to knock the pass down or make the tackle after the catch. And you might catch 11 passes, but, you know, you don't make a lot of yards and score a lot of touchdowns. you got to do a lot of them in a row. So I keep saying you got to throw the ball down the field and at your positions when you're running a lot. you got to at a high altitude. You got to make sure you have fresh players. 
Yeah, got to rotate. That not having Christian Rector on the defensive line, I think, hurt their rotation a little bit. Yeah, uh, they did. Yeah, uh, you know, it, I thought Connor Murphy was fine. I, I got to watch the game again and kind of watch him a little bit more. But just having one less trusted guy for Clancy Pendergast, I think that uh, hurt their rotation a little bit. About that, he actually talked about it. Uh, you can see there's a video of him. The shotgun talked to him after the game up on uscfootball.com. Uh, Sean texted in and said, I'll start off by saying something nice. Penalties are way down this year. Everything else is just average at best. USC has too much talent to continue to lose to teams like this. With the exception of last week, most wins are barely wins. I think it's time to hire a new coach. Clay is a nice, decent, honest man, but not the man for the head coaching job. That's from Sean. Well, Sean, you, you have an opinion. Uh, I, you know one thing I don't really comment on. I've done that all along is when any coach should uh, lose his coaching job. That's not my decision. That's somebody else's decision. That evaluation, uh, for me to be given an opinion on that, really doesn't make any difference. They don't care what I think anyway. So I think that's a decision, and I don't mean to get out of this question, but I hope you understand I have relationships with coaches all over the country. I've talked to Pac-12 coaches today and others regarding their games and other teams and people who have watched SC play. I get their opinions and so on, but I never share their opinion or who they are with any of you. And every coach knows the situation they're in. I think Coach Clay Helton knows the situation he's in. Uh, Chip Kelly knows the situation he's in. Hey, whenever you make two or three million dollars a year, someone expects that. They don't give that money to you for charity. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that for me to make a statement on that, I don't have to. I think coaches know what type of business they're in. Yeah. It's a it's a cutthroat business. And uh you're gonna start off you're Chip Kelly and you start off 0 and three two years in a row, there's gonna be a lot of questions. If you're Clay Helton, you come off a five and seven season, then you lose to BYU who got stopped by your rival Utah that you got to play, you know, six, six days later, that's uh they know that could be an indictment on their job. And now you have Lince Juan is no longer there. So there's going to be a lot of talk about that. And uh, that's, that's going to just change the narrative going forward. I think the off season, you couldn't really change the narrative. They're going to talk about five and seven. You start winning games then you can just change that. It's like, Hey, the, the team's winning. They're going to be good. But then you start losing games, especially ones like this, not, not the Utahs or the Washingtons or the Notre Dames, which are a little more understandable. You lose to BYU and don't look that good against Fresno State. Now the talk is just going to be intensified. Um, Keith in New Jersey wrote in, Coach. He said, more than some of the comments I'm seeing on various websites, hopefully just uscfootball.com, Keith, that's all you need, um, just a few hours after the game are a bit much, I feel, regarding Coach Helton. Yes, I am disappointed our Trojans lost too but not completely shocked. Yes, I've had concerns about Helton and much of the staff as well. But do you, do you guys think he takes full blame for this loss? We just watched a true freshman quarterback make countless mistakes, uh, not intending to slam Slovis here. The kid competes and he's a true freshman. Uh, that led to great field position for BYU more than once. Do we really blame Helton for those interceptions along with everything else that went wrong? Uh, do we really need a call for his firing right now? Fight on. Keith in New Jersey. So that's a different point of view. Someone that doesn't feel you should call for Clay Helton's job at this point. Well, you know, I've uh, always said this. Uh, the head football coach is responsible for everything. 
on the field. It's his offense, his defense, but for some reason at USC, it's Graham Harrell's offense and Clancy Pendergrass's defense. I don't know how it's John Bachter's special team. I don't know how this gets out or how he allows that or how anybody allows it because it's not uh, anybody else's uh, coordinator at any of those other programs. It's Dabo Sweeney's football team. It's Nick Saban's football team. It's Lincoln Riley's football team. But for some reason at USC, they've got it all broken up that these people are, are just equal almost to Coach Clayhelt or whatever. And and I don't like that because there's one guy that's in charge of it all and responsible for it. And if He's got to stand up and be responsible for that because he's the head football coach. I mean, if it's coming out of the sports information office or the social media or whatever, that's not the way it should be determined. It's our football team. And if it's not my football team, fire my butt and make it whoever you want it to be. But as long as I'm the head football coach, we're going to do it my way or give me the highway. And uh, I think that's one thing that he's allowed to happen is uh, Graham Harrell's offense. Uh, it's his offense, but he's the one's going to get fired if it doesn't work. And so is the whole offensive staff, and the same with the defense. So you've got to know what you need to do to improve these areas. If it's not working, then you get rid of him and you give the offense to somebody else or the defense to somebody else. Because eventually it's going to come back to you, and you're the guy that's responsible for it. So you've heard me talk about this all the time. It's Graham Harrell's offense. In the media, I might be responsible for this. Maybe I am. I don't hope to hope I haven't contributed to that. But I've always said it's Clay Helton's show. He's the chairman of the board. He's the CEO of the football program. Whether it's a profit or loss in the business, he's the one that's responsible for it. The profit is wins. The losses is is, is negatives. Okay. So, you know, that's how I feel on that. And, uh, and I guess that's the way I'm going to keep it. Yeah. The, um, and you know, Keith, thanks for the, the email there, different point of view. I would say the the true freshman quarterback stuff is you had other quarterbacks that you've been teaching for the last few years that could have played. Uh, coach mentioned you could have had Jack Sears. That's, you know, I, you can't you can't really use that as an excuse. You weren't forced to play a true freshman. You chose to play a true freshman. So I would uh, be caution, uh, have some caution there. All right, we have another voicemail question. No, here. you're right. You're right there. And I apologize oh. I didn't answer your question completely. You've heard me say all the time, how can a guy, Jack Sears, who's been around all this period of time, and I repeat this every week, so I apologize. How can he go from possibly one or two to four? Tell me how you justify that to the football team, and how do you justify it to that young man? I don't know. Yeah, but you could have had somebody else with experience running this team. I'm not saying you have a different result. I mean, we saw Slovis look good, but I think, you know, on the road, maybe it was a difference. Would A true freshman would look a little different than uh, someone that's been there for a while. We'll see. Um, all right, here's the next voicemail question. Coach Hyde, Brian, how are you? Franco from the East Coast. Well, it wasn't a bad loss, but it's definitely back to reality. We can uh, we can cancel those college football playoff plans. Don't have to worry about booking Keaton that flight to New York in December to pick up the Heisman and uh, turn the heat back up on uh, Clay Helton's seat. 
and might be even a little bit of fool's gold on our resume, looking at the uh, results in Fresno State and Stanford now combined, one and four. Till next week, fight on. I couldn't hear that very clearly. Could you help me out with that one, Ryan? He was, it was kind of a little little sarcastic. He said, "Just cancel your plans to cover the college football playoff." Uh, Keaton Slovis doesn't need to fly to New York for the Heisman. Uh, but then at the end, he talked about um, USC's opponents uh, that, that the Trojans have beat are combined one and four right now. No, that's true. Uh, so far, they haven't beaten teams that. Uh, have, uh, well, demonstrated that they are powerhouses. Uh, but, uh, you know, they'll be playing teams that are. And uh, I don't think uh, Washington is going to get upset again. And I think Notre Dame is on a roll, but uh, they've got a big one against Georgia this week, so we see how they'll react in that football game. Utah's on a roll, and definitely they've never been to the Rose Bowl. They'd like to go, and they're the favorite of the Pac-12 South, and they recruit in Southern California, so why not come down here and put on a good show and invite a lot of recruits and families to the game, uh, members, so that uh, they can uh, continue with the, their head coach's philosophy as far as a tough guy, and their team plays that way. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it's not really intimidating to come to the Coliseum now. used to be, let's get in there and get out of there and see if we're still alive. But it's not that anymore. Yeah. The type of offense that they run right now, currently, is like playing chess. Okay. Well, Utah hasn't uh, won in the Coliseum since like over in the last hundred years, I believe. So this is a it's a good chance for USC to bounce back. Uh, but like you said, I don't think Utah's going to come in intimidated. They won the South last year, that got them over one hump, and uh, now this year they're going to try to win the whole thing. We'll see if they can. Um, Rick in L.A. wrote in. He sent a text. Uh, he says, hello, Ryan and Coach. You know, I'm not even mad or upset about today's loss because this is what I've come to expect from a Clay Helton-led team. A great win, followed by a disappointing loss. Everyone was sky high after last week's victory, and the kid quarterback was the second coming. But today, some of his throws left me scratching my head and somewhat perplexed. This week's game plan was a total joke. Not to mention the defense. BYU had SC's defense off balance all game long. Just fire this whole staff and start new, please. Maybe a coach from Alabama or Clemson might be a good place to start because they know how to win. Thanks for letting me vent. Rick from L.A. What, one quick thing on the defense, too. USC had a couple early turnovers that gave BYU short fields also. So, I mean, I, I feel like sometimes maybe the defense is getting a little too much blame. Like, yeah, it wasn't a great performance, but it wasn't a complete disaster. Uh, like maybe you could argue was you know, special teams in the offensive side. I'll give you credit on that, Ryan. I'm glad you brought that up. You're right. They had a short field. And, but it all contributes to one thing. You know, you always hear me talk about stats don't mean anything. The score does. And uh, not a halftime score, but the final score. So uh, they did. But you all win and you all lose. You all cry together. You all pray together. You all celebrate together. You all fly together and you fly home. And I'm telling you, that wasn't a nice flight home. And uh, in a way, I'm glad I didn't have an AD if I was Clay Hilton. Yeah. I don't know what what he might have said to me or done to me uh, during that period of time. Maybe he'd have told me to take a cab home, okay? If it was me. 
But it will, you know, just you know, it's, and it's hard on the coaches, guys. I want to I want to explain this to you. Coaches want to do a good job. Coaches want to win more than we do, is just as much. They're away from their families. They sacrifice. They sleep in their office. They do so many things to put the product on the field that we all want. So you know, when we sit here and talk about it, you know, you know, they don't want to listen to this and hear this because they'll say they don't know. They don't know what's going on. And we might not know what's going on. All we do is we watch the same game they watch, and we just give our opinions of what we see. And that's basically what we're all doing today. But, uh, you know, the scores don't lie. The performances don't lie. And people that have a little knowledge about football, such as most of the Trojan fans, are hardcore Trojan people. That's why websites such as Ryan's does so well because people care and they're starving for college football. And in Southern California, uh, college football is sort of not put on the back page, but you've got a lot of other professional franchises that are here. Yet you've got the hardcore college football fan, such as what I am and Ryan is and all of you that are listening today. Uh, You want to compete. You want to put a team on the field that you're proud of. Uh, No matter what the performance is, you're proud of what they're doing and what they're bringing home. And USC is an elite college football traditional program. So everybody's saying, it's just not good enough. And it's got to get better. Otherwise, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. We got... Uh, we have another email. Why didn't they run Marquis Stepmore? We got this a lot on Twitter uh, in the message boards throughout the game. Every time they really needed short yardage, it seemed they utilized Step. USC's running plays were unimaginative. You cannot run the ball up the middle if you don't own the line of scrimmage. Also, I would have played Matt Fink. Thanks for your show. Mario in Tucson. Well, you know, when you think about Matt Fink, you think about, uh, you know, carrying the ball to the outside. He's got. He's an athlete. Not that Solace is an athlete. He is, but he's one-dimensional. I said that earlier. You don't want him to run. He's his young kid. You don't want to confuse him too much. And uh, you know, you should have really brought him along. Now, this Bryce young kid. Now he'll fit this offense perfectly. And I'm not trying to say these other guys can't play it. I'm just saying he's more of a runner, a gambler. You know, he's a he's a he's this type. He's a running. He, he likes to mix it up. He likes to mix it up and run for it. And he's like a Galen Hurts and these type of guys that love the contact. You know, some players and some quarterbacks don't love the contact. So, uh, you know, uh, I don't even know. What was the question? <laughs> that's, <laughs> Coach, that's where You're we're going to laugh. I, it's that's, serious. That's where we are, playing Marquis Stepmore. Um, and yeah. I, and I yeah. feel like one of the things was it just seemed like with this offense um the when that with with everyone dropping back into coverage step was more like this downhill runner and they seem to block better for him I, yeah i kind of i mean i'm not usually one of like oh run this guy more run that guy more whatever but the way he was running i think you felt like hey he's got the hot hand we seem to be more effective when we're having him run the football let's do it but that that was something very common uh not just mario everyone was talking about that well, how about having both Malapai and Steps running in the same backfield? And then having a quarterback that's 
somewhat athletic that can run off of it, bootlegs and so on. I don't know how many people watch Oklahoma play yesterday. But when their running backs run the football, too, if you give them one crease or the receivers, they are gone. I mean, they are Jets, screamers. And I don't really know if USC has a screamer either. I mean, big play screamers as far as currently playing at the receivers or skill spots. But they're tough guys, and they hammer inside there. So you got to give them – they're not going to get the huge big play as far as the home run, but they're going to get the tough yards. But if you spread the field a little bit by having the quarterback keep the ball or continue with the fake to the outside, they can't collapse on them. And basically now they have no threat to the outside, so they just collapse on these guys. But, man, I'll tell you what, you've got to be able to have to be prepared for not being one-dimensional. You've got to have a great running game, and you've got to have a great passing game to make it happen. Now, North Texas State, where Graham Harrell was, he had an athletic quarterback. His quarterback ran the ball, okay? But here he doesn't have that, so he has taken away part of the offense that he brought with him. Uh, yeah, just North Texas, no state. They're just uh, North Texas. So that's uh, what I call it. North Texas State. Yeah. Yeah. All right. They, the they, gave, they gave Cal a uh, run for their money. They were down twenty to nothing, and then they start. You know, um, they came back, but uh, couldn't couldn't pull it off. They lost by a touchdown. But um, we got a, another voicemail. Here you go. Uh, yes, uh, uh, Ryan. This Lee from uh, Bay Area. I'm calling after the game. Um, um, I just want to say uh, they lost today, but I'm still excited about this young team. Um, they got good talent all around. They just um, Maybe this was a, a good loss to help them to refocus, uh, get da- uh, get back down to base again. But my question, this is for uh, Coach Harvey Hyde. My question is, we've seen this uh busted plays that are killing USC. Um, players don't seem like they know where to go on no misdirection plays or any type of any type of play, most a lot on third down. So I would like like to ask the coach, um, how do you fix this? Do you set all the day um to have just say, hey, we need to correct this. We're gonna have a just a whole day of just um um uh, cross patterns and just uh, stunt plays and misdirection plays so we can fit, let guys figure out where they need to be on certain situations. Because like I said again, this is continually hunting you see for two or three years. Um, and uh, go Trojans. Thank you. Well, thank you. I think that's part of what we've been harping on, and uh, I think uh, I agree with you 100%. I mean, you have a Brown who could run Jet, uh, Jet coming across uh, the face, and a running back going the other way. Uh, you saw with the after the turnovers in both situations against BYU, the first thing they came back with—I don't want to call it a trick play—but they came back with a reverse and made big yardage because the momentum had changed. They came back the second time with a reverse pass to the quarterback and. He made big yards. I mean, you've got to be able to have something, too, to hold the outside and to keep people guessing about what's happening. USC's offense is so vanilla. I mean, there's no there's no type of threat to the backside 
by keep or reverse or jet or counter of any type at all. You saw also BYU do the reverse handoff and send it back the other way. Just something to hold the linebackers from flying to the hole. And uh, you just got to do those type of things. And, you know, just jumping to the defensive side here, too, for a moment, I don't see any quickness on defense. I mean, guys on the defensive side of the ball jumping across the line of scrimmage and beating the tackles and, and causing chaos back there. And when they do, you got to settle down and make the tackle. They made some sacks. I don't know how many. But one of the players that USC lost, I can't pronounce his name, from Sarah, who's now playing at, at uh, Illinois, he's, le- he's leading the Big Ten in sacks. He's leading the nation in sacks. Olawale Bediku, yeah, or Bediku. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh... yeah how, can that, how can that happen? I mean, he can't play it down at SC. <laughs> I mean, and he's leading the Big Ten in sacks. The nation in I sacks. Mean, he's leading the nation in sacks. Nation in sacks. Yeah. Nation. I didn't know that. Nation? Yeah, the nation. He's at six sacks. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, I just throw that out there, too. I mean, what? I don't even want to hear that. And, and steps? You better play steps. Or I'm not going to suggest what he might do, but you better play this kid. Yeah, because uh, if you don't play him, he could enter the transfer portal, which this is our next question from Don. You said that. I didn't say that. You said that. Right. Well, that's <laughs> it leads into our question from Don. He says, ironic that coaches two favorite players, and now he's talking about Jack Sears and Devin Williams, are both now in the transfer portal. Do you think Clay Helton tried to convince Devin to stay? Helton appears to act more as a friend than a head coach when dealing with players considering the transfer portal. Does the head coach, Clay Helton, believe Devin is not good enough, so transferring is no big deal? That's from Don. Well, to me, he's a big deal. I've talked to some Pac-12 guys that are working on him real hard, okay? And uh, he took an he's official a great vi- player. Well, he took some kind of visit to Oregon State. He was there for the game Saturday, I believe. So he was up, he was up in uh, Corvallis. Right. I could tell you the three schools he's really interested in, but I, I don't want to do that. Uh, yeah, he's a great player. Yeah, the ones I, I talked about. You heard me right. I stood next to you at practice. I said, that guy goes straight to the NFL. What's he doing here? Yeah. I mean, he's you can't cover him one-on-one. And I can see him getting really flustered, saying, was this what the deal's going to be here? Now, he should have waited his turn and let it happen, because he was behind Pittman, and he's a captain and a leader. But they should have got him in the game. They've got to, too, pamper him a little bit, too, but... With this portal system now, transfer portal, you got to understand this as a football coach. And you got to understand or baby him or do what you need to do to keep that kid happy. I'm going to tell you, Jack Sears, they just mistreated him. I'm just going to flat tell you that. And those are my two guys. And yeah. you're right. You're exactly right. They're both gone. So I'm not saying there are other guys, but I'm going to say those are two guys that would have made this football team, I think, better. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, transfer portal, I mean, there, there's been some good things for the transfer portal, getting a guy like uh, Valus Jones to come back. You know, Matt Fink came back out of the portal, getting uh, Chris Steele, getting Brew McCoy to come back, uh, Drew Richmond, the, the starting right tackle. But, you know, seeing like Alawali Batiku, uh, Trayvon Sidney, Josh Metorbebe having a, great, a lot of success at Illinois. Um, you know, losing guys like Devin Williams, 
and Jack Sears, who could be, you know, potentially be helping this team. There's been, there's been some good and some bad. Uh, we got one last question for you, coach. It's been a long, uh, and a long run of questions. Percy wrote in after seeing this team look exactly like all of Helton's lackluster units. What can he really do to keep his job? Every unit appears to be just average at best. They really make five stars look like one and two stars. Wow, Percy. Well, you keep your job by winning. Uh, and you got to be able to uh, evaluate your program on what you, what you have to do to win. That's what a head football coach is. Evaluate players, evaluate coaches, have recruiting guys that know what uh, a player looks like and recruit the right players, uh, have the right strength and coach conditioning guy, the whole package. And uh, right now, I think uh, Coach Clay Helton has got to get together, and he's the architect of this program, and say what piece of steel is missing, or did we get bad concrete, or whatever it is. Was it not standing very tall right now among the opinion of people? I mean, national TV and everybody else is saying the same thing, not just me. And I'm just giving you my opinion. But I'll tell you, you better you better have a come-to-meeting like I told you shortly or the whole thing is going to change. The only problem I hope, never mind, I want to get into that, but uh, I want them to win. I want Coach Clay Helton to win. I want those kids to have an enjoyable experience, especially the seniors that are there. I want them to be having a great year. I want them to get better as football players. I want them to graduate from college. I want all those things that you want out there and what the coaches want. But you know, you got to have a professor that can teach you the math or teach you this or teach you that and evaluate problems and get them corrected. And I, I told you when Sears left, I'd have spent the night when J.T. Daniels went down at Sears' house, I'd have spent the night down there in a hotel, and I'd have forgiven myself and told him that it was my fault or whatever I had to do, and I didn't give a damn what anybody thought of my football staff. Uh, I would have not allowed that to happen to a football player that deserved an opportunity after me seeing him practice and after me seeing him in the Arizona State game and after me seeing how the team likes him. And the same thing now with Devin Williams. I wouldn't want him to leave. And if you lose your players, you lose the team. And and I don't want Coach Helton to lose the team. And when you say you lose the team, you see the performance, and all of a sudden the kids say, we can't win anymore, or we're not who we are. And that's not USC. So we ought to all hope that USC wins. Because there's kids out there that have really trained and done exactly what they're supposed to do in the weight room, in the classes, training table, academic study, all of those things. But you got to be concentrated and focused on football, not other things. And sometimes in L.A., I guess in L.A., people are focused on other things that interfere with football. And, Ryan, you know what I'm talking about, but you follow social media and you follow what's coming out uh, from the athletic department and from players and so on. That's not studying your game plan. That's not becoming a better football player. That's promotion of yourself and things. 
That can't be that way if you want to be win football games. And if you don't clear that stuff up now or sometime in the future, then you're never going to have a chance, okay? Because it becomes all of me and not the team. All right, that's the coach, Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. Always tweets out during the games after the each quarter. You'll get his insights. Compact. You put you compact it all down, Coach, to like a 280 characters so people know what you're thinking after each quarter. Yeah, I do. And I and I could go on and on like I do on the show, but there's not enough space. No. But you also <laughs> do the uh the Instagram. So if you follow him on Instagram too, the uh you'll right. you, you get there on the uh microphone and you'll give your thoughts. So those are cool segments also. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that, uh, Ryan. I appreciate all you listeners out there to make this podcast possible for us. And we hope you have a, a great week. And we'll all get ready for a short week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, three days of preparation, Thursday's a walkthrough, and Friday the football game. And if you're planning on going to the game on Friday, take the day off. Yeah. Um, hey, Coach, before we let you go, one thing real quick. You mentioned the walkthrough. That's one tradition that's kind of gone away. I don't believe they've been doing those on the road unless they that something's changed this year. But it, Pete Carroll really made it like a fun event. You would go whenever it was a road game. The Friday night before, you would walk through the stadium. They'd play some Trojan ball, warm up a little bit, and just kind of get a feel for – so it's not the first time you're walking out of the tunnel and going like, oh, this is what the stadium looks like. Um, I guess just sort of like – get that out of the way the the first impression is done and then it becomes like a business trip. But have you, did you guys used to do that? And uh, any thoughts on USC uh, apparently not doing, I, I, unless they've done that and we, we're, they're not telling us, but uh, our understanding is they're not doing those anymore. I think it's very important. Just like I said, it was important for them to work out in the Coliseum and get all the looky looks uh, out of the way. Same thing with uh, traveling. And and I don't make it have a lot of fun. I mean, it's part of our game plan as far as getting it done. The way we ride the buses, the way we talk, our seriousness on our faces. Sometimes I'd see kids laughing too much and say, what are you laughing about? Why don't you tell us all about it? Hey, we're here on a business trip. We're here to kick somebody's butt. So get your face into the game and your mouth into the game, and otherwise we'll send you home in the morning or send you home right now. I've sent kids home. We're here to have a football game. Now, maybe you think, how can he be this harsh? Hey, what do you mean? We've got a lot of hours in preparing for this one-hour game. We'd go on the field. We'd look around. We'd see what's going on. We'd go through so the kids get used to catching the ball and running on the turf and seeing if our shoes fit the turf and the type of different turf. Obviously, there's times that we're slipping and the shoes aren't right. So we get our equipment guy to change the shoes different cleats on the shoes, different type of turf, the whole thing. We weren't out there a long time, maybe 40 minutes, but we sort of loosen up from flying. You know, you're on a plane, you're getting stiff, your body goes to sleep on you. I want to keep the guys loose and awake and remember why we're there, not to watch and play video games, but to get ready for a football game. We practice all of our substitution. I'd say, okay, field goal, 10 seconds left. And they'd be on the field, and I'd see who wasn't out there. And I'd count it down, 10, 9, 8, which John Baxter does. But this is the day before the game. You practice everything again. For somehow, sometimes kids sometimes don't concentrate, and they lose their thought, as well as my coaches. 
Yeah. So th- this is not a play around thing. This is really a serious thing the day before. Now, some coaches, uh, they play around. But you go to the real football programs, there's no playing around ever. Nope. You can't play around. You just got to get out there and do it. So we'll see if the Trojans can bounce back. Uh, Tuesday, sorry, Tuesday, Friday game against uh, Utah in the Coliseum. We'll have our tunnel vision if you're listening to this Sunday right away. We'll have a tunnel vision Sunday night at 7 p.m., or you can watch the replays on uscfootball.com. We'll have Dan Weber, Keely Yor on a podcast. We'll do our preview podcast with the Utah staff people. Uh, our our pregame show, if you guys haven't listened to our radio show, the Peristyle pregame show, we do those Fridays at midnight on KABC here in Los Angeles uh, on a 790 AM on your dial. We also put it up as a podcast as well. So if you're listening to this, same place you would listen to the pregame show. So before the game, this week it'll go up on Thursday at 11 p.m. on KABC. So the podcast will be up soon after that uh, if you want to check it out. So it's a cool little one-hour show we put together to preview USC's upcoming game. So make sure you guys check that out. Check out Coach Harvey Hyde on his website, harveyhyde.com. Check out all my stuff at uscfootball.com. And thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 